Hello, Connected Parents. This week, I want to talk about the art of self-parenting. How do you parent yourself, care for yourself, love yourself enough, um, and be patient enough with yourself and kind enough with yourself and forgiving enough with yourself to be a good parent? Hi, everyone. I'm Jennifer Colary. I'm a child and family therapist and a parenting coach and the founder of Connected Parenting. And welcome to the Connected Parenting Weekly Podcast. Join me every week. And we'll tackle everything from temper tantrums to bedtime to sibling issues to teenage angst. Parenting can be so wonderful, but it can be so hard. Parents often say to me, hey, can you just come live at my house? This is the next best thing. Let's do this together. And it's not easy because parenting and our kids and and certainly particular kids will trigger us and bring out our own stresses and or traumas um, and past history in ways that make it really challenging. And I hear all the time from all parents, from moms and dads, um, I would say particularly moms though, um, you know, I'm the worst parent in the world. I am so mad at myself. I hate myself. I know I can do better than this. And lots of crying uh, themselves to sleep at the end of the day. And I want people to know there is no perfect. There really isn't. There is real life and there are real feelings and you're going to lose it sometimes and that's okay. And to have this idea that you're going to raise your child in this perfect space where nobody gets mad and no one gets frustrated and no one ever gets angry, not only is that not normal, but that's not even healthy because kids need some of that contrast, those bumps, those contours, not big, terrible things, but you know, those are always traumatic, but enough kind of normal bumpy things that they can learn how to handle the bumps uh, in the road further down in life. And it's our job to do that. And we need to value that. So this episode is really for you, how to self-parent, how to feel good, um, how to forgive yourself. And that's not easy. So let's start with this. Now, we have to understand that all of the things that we react to, feel, um, believe, these are all programs. It very, you know, it's very complicated, but in a very, very simple way, we are programmed by our early experiences. We are programmed by our parents, by our communities, by our religions, by our schools, by our friends, and by media and television and all of the things that come into our brain every single day. We as parents are the architects of our children's brains, and our parents, to a great degree, were the architects of our brains. And so these programs get downloaded into us at a very early age. And I know I've spoken about this in previous episodes, but the brain is set up to store long-term memory after the age of about seven. So prior to the age of six or seven, all the things that happened to us, fights our parents have had, big moves, scary things that have happened, super exciting things that have happened, all of those things get downloaded into the limbic brain, into the part of the brain that's really just interested in safety and security. It's basically a giant tape recorder that just plays back. This was scary, therefore I'm going to feel this. These things are similar to that other thing that happened to me. I'm going to trigger my security response, my safety response. My cortisol is going to rise. My adrenaline is going to rise. My limbic system is going to take over. I'm going to go into fight or flight because that situation reminds me of another situation. Playback tape. And so one of the things that we have to understand is 
after the age of seven, that's when we start storing long-term memories. But prior to the age of seven, those programs get literally imprinted on us like an emotional tattoo. And we don't have a say in those programs. Some of, you know, there's good things that get, you know, programmed there as well. But our biggest fears and our deepest beliefs about ourselves, about our worth, about um, all of our negative kind of things that we think about ourselves are often imprinted prior to the age of six or seven. So when you think about it, we're all walking around using programming, using hardware, using programming that belongs to a six or seven year old. So we're moving through our life, dealing with adult issues and adult problems with six or seven year olds programming. So step one is to really realize that we are not our programming. They're programs, which means they can be rewritten. You can override those programs. Gabor Mate calls them implicit memories. And these are, are just beliefs about ourselves that we think over and over again. And then our brain that really just wants to please us starts to gather more and more information to prove those beliefs or limiting beliefs about ourselves. And now we look through our lives through that lens. So I talk about something certainly in the parenting course. Um, um, and Heinz Kohut, who was a uh, started self-psychology, which is absolutely brilliant. I don't know why the whole world doesn't know it. He talked a lot about intersubjectivity. And what that basically means is we there is no such thing as reality. There's an interpretation of reality. And everybody's interpretation of reality is different. And everyone is the star of their own movie. <laughs> everyone has the lead role in their own life and in their own movie. And everyone else um, are, you know, supporting characters. So we see the world that way. And so intersubjectivity means that you experience other people and you experience them through your own beliefs, through your own mood, and through your own history, through your own trauma, and through that early programming that gets laid down prior to the age of seven. We think that it's reality, but we have to understand that it's interpretation of reality. There is no reality. There is only interpretation of reality. There are multiple different ways of experiencing anything, which is why when you get two people together and you ask them what they think about a movie or a conversation that they witnessed or an accident that they saw, you're going to get their own unique perspective. And so everything that we experience is filtered through that veil, right? How much we like ourselves, how loved we felt, trauma, history, all of that. And it's some, it's filtered through the deeper stuff, definitely. And it's also filtered through a lighter layer. Am I having a good hair day? Did I fight with, have a fight with my teenage daughter on the way to work? Did I get my coffee this morning? So there are surface things that can also affect our mood. So the first step is to just be incredibly aware that um, we, and this is such a famous quote, and I'm sorry, I'm forgetting whose quote it is, but I will try to put it in the link. Um, we do not see the world as it is. We see the world as we are. And that is very, very true. And what we think about and what we feel and what we pay attention to and what we focus on really does shape our reality. It shapes our reality in terms of how we interpret things and through that interpretation, how then we respond to our children or our spouses or our coworkers or our own family. And just being aware of that is step one. Be the observer of yourself. You are not your story. You are the storyteller right? That story doesn't have to be 
who you are. You can change it. And we now know through neuroplasticity in the brain, by changing what you focus on, changing what you think about, challenging yourself and saying, hmm, that's my implicit memory. Now, I call them theme songs. I call them, I call it a theme song and I'll recognize my own theme song. And there's probably only a few theme songs that people have, you know, really common ones. I'm not enough. I'm not enough. I'm not good enough. I'll never be good enough. And I'm always going to have to prove myself and constantly prove to the world that I'm worthy. Um, another one is people take advantage of me. I'm never given credit for anything. I know nobody ever cares what I do. I always have to do this. Nobody ever notices me. No one ever pays attention to me. Um, it could be crap always happens to me. It's always me. It's always me. These things happen to these are profound and deep implicit memories and theme songs that play and they play louder when we are stressed, when we are worried, when we are hurting, they play very loudly. And when we're feeling threatened, they play really loudly. So the first step is to realize that we see reality as we are. So that's step one. Now, the other piece, and I talk a lot about this as a, in my parenting work and, and telling parents to see um, behavior not as the problem, but as the symptom of the problem. Look underneath the behavior and to approach your child from a place of love, not fear, and to mirror and connect to your child. So the biggest step of all is that you have to do that for yourself. So when you're having a terrible day, when you've lost it on your kids, and believe me, we all lose it. And it's an opportunity to go back and repair. You remember yesterday when I told you that you should just go live at the neighbors? I didn't actually stop and think about what you were trying to tell me when you didn't want to get your snowsuit on. You go back and you repair. You will feel wonderful after. They will feel wonderful after. Beautiful, beautiful things can happen from repair. And in many ways, um, the whole situation can go better because of that repair. And it's very meaningful. And I talk to kids all the time and I hear from their own words how powerful and lovely and moving that is when their parent has come back and really hurt them and done a repair and really done an honest um, repair of a situation. And there's such freedom in that, that, that gives you space to realize, okay, I don't have to be perfect. Not only do I not have to, I shouldn't be perfect. That's not even normal. But to do all that, there's a step before that. You have to be able to mirror to yourself. So in your own head, when you're having a really hard day, or you've just snapped at your kids, or you didn't like the way things went when you drove them to school, or tried to get, on, get them on their computers in the morning, or get them through breakfast, or whatever it is, take a moment. And you could literally do this in the mirror if you want, or you can just do it in your own head. You literally put your hand on your heart. You take a second. You take a breath. You drop your shoulders, you drop your tongue, you just calm yourself down, you center yourself for a moment. And then you say to yourself, I feel this way because I care so deeply, because I care so much. It's not pretty. I don't like how this looked this morning, but I am acting this way because I care, because I care about my kids, because I care about my life, because I care about my freedom, because I care about my child's future. Just take a moment and realize that is because you care. As soon as you do that, you're going to be bringing yourself into, and, and HeartMath is an amazing uh, institute. HeartMath.com gives you much more information on this, but you bring yourself into brain-heart coherence. And as soon as you do that, you're connecting to your best self. You're, you're lining up with love 
instead of fear. Now, this is not easy to do, but that is a very important step. I am feeling this way. I am this angry. I am this upset. I did that. I said that because I care so deeply. Then mirror to yourself. What would you say to your best friend who just said, oh my God, I just lost it. I was so horrible to my kids this morning. You know what you would say to your best friend? You would say, you know what? It's so hard sometimes and parenting is so impossible and you've got three kids and these are crazy times. You would absolutely mirror to your friend. You would not say, you idiot, you've read 59 parenting books. Why can't you? You should know better. You would never do that to another person. So why would you do it to yourself? So take a moment, use the calm technique. So for those of you who aren't familiar, go back and listen to the first couple of podcasts. I think it's number two, the second podcast. I go deeply into the calm technique and really practice this and self-practice this. So when you mirror to yourself, And again, this is so important, the limbic system, that part of your brain that runs that safety program, right? That runs that fight or flight program cannot tell the difference between you imagining something, you actually doing something or a memory. It is all the same to the limbic brain. It does not understand time. There are no temporal references for the midbrain, only the frontal lobe, the part of the brain that organizes, prioritizes, mediates, moderates, takes perspective, inhibits that higher order thinking, that's the, that's the job of the frontal lobe. The midbrain doesn't care if you're saying it to yourself. It feels the same as if your mother said it to you, who've never, who's never said it to you before, or your husband says it to you. It is the exact same biochemical experience when you do it to yourself. If you can do it in the mirror, it's even more powerful. Um, and you, you just say three or four loving mirroring statements to yourself using the calm technique. Now what's happening? Oxytocin, endorphins, uh, natural opiates, they are beginning to flood your brain, sending a signal to your brain that you are no longer in danger. There is no threat because the midbrain doesn't care if your kid's screaming at you that they hate what you made them for breakfast or a saber-toothed tiger chasing you down the street. If you're tense and you're breathing and you're angry and you're upset, Your brain is not, that part of your brain is not going to be able to tell the difference. It's going to think you're in danger and it's going to send off all of that safety uh, programming, which is your fight or flight. And that's when you're screaming and you're yelling. That's when you feel angry. That's when you later walk away and go, my God, I'm the worst parent. Why do I do that? I hate myself. And then you beat yourself up. So really, really important to send yourself great love through that mirroring. Then take a moment after you've done that. And then using your frontal lobe, you can think about what you want to do next, what choices you want to make next. Um, And you want to line up with love, operate and behave from a place of love, not fear. Because when you're screaming or when you're yelling or when you're angry, you're operating from a place of fear, which will never go well. It won't go well with your spouse. It won't go well with your kids. It won't go well with your other kids that are listening. And it won't go well with you. Because that's when you'll lie in bed later or drive home after dropping them off in tears. And that's going to happen. It happens to all of us. Those are contrasts. Those are moments where we learn how to be better. In those moments, we learn what we don't want, which is just as important, right? Because what we don't want leads us closer to what we do want. And you keep changing and you keep growing and you keep working on it. So the calm technique is very, very important. Self-care, going for walks, getting to bed early, um, doing yoga, reading, having a quiet moment, getting up a little bit early in the morning and taking care of yourself before the whole family is awake 
is very loving. Now, a lot of mothers in particular have a really hard time with self-care. They feel like, oh, I could use that time for my kids and oh, never mind me. I'll just put my kids in. I'll do this for my children or forget it. I don't need to sleep. I'll help my kid. And first of all, you have to ask yourself and, and really from a mama bear perspective, what am I teaching my children? What am I teaching my daughters when I do that? Am I teaching them to put their own needs aside? Am I teaching them to turn themselves into a pretzel to help other people? So that's the first thing. And the second thing you have to understand is that you are no good to anyone if you are not rested and if you haven't cared for yourself. So don't even do it for yourself then. Do it for your children. By caring for yourself, you are caring for your children on, on an emotional basis, on a physical basis, and also in terms of teaching them how to treat you and also who they should be and how they should be when they are mothers or fathers or wives or husbands. Very, very important. And this also bleeds into other areas in life. What kind of coworker are you going to be? What kind of boss are you going to be? Are you constantly going to be someone who puts your needs aside? And again, when you do that, that's also operating from fear. I'm afraid to upset my kids. I'm afraid things are going to fall apart if I don't, if I take care of myself. Whenever you operate from a place of fear, it will not guide you in the right direction. So that compass facing north that I talk about needs to be focused on you, needs to be focused on love, love for yourself, love for your children. This is, you know, much harder in the- <laughs> it sounds easier in theory. In real life, this is not easy to do, but everything is a practice. And say it out loud to your kids. Say, you know what? I love you very, very much, but I don't like how my voice sounds right now. I don't like how I'm feeling right now. And that's a signal to my body. I need to go and take care of myself. I'm going to go have a cup of tea. I'm going to go for a drive. I'm going to go up to my room for a few minutes. I'm going to put headphones on, whatever it is. It's okay. You are not telling your children you don't love them in that situation. You are sending a signal that you love yourself and that self-care is valuable and is important. And it's a very, very good lesson for them. So let's quickly go over what we talked about in this podcast. You're going to notice that it's a program running. You're going to to bring yourself into heart coherence, right? You're going to tell yourself, I'm feeling this way because I care that much. That is how much I care. You're going to use the calm technique on yourself, just like you would if it was a friend or your sister or someone close to you. You would not reprimand them. You would not scream at them. You would not use the language that we use in our own heads about ourselves. Then you take a breath. Then you operate from a place of love. You take space. You take time. You set boundaries. All of those things are beautiful, beautiful ways to take care of yourself and beautiful, beautiful teachings for your children. So just a quick reminder, I do have the parenting course. I talk a a lot about this in it, actually. Um, both for kids and for teens. There's this podcast. There's also the mental health comedy podcast, which is through humor and interviewing different uh, well-known comedians and entertainers. We talk about mental health as a practice, right? Things and strategies that you can actually do to feel better, to help you enjoy your life more. And all of those things are critical in order to be a better parent. That's how we're going to be our best self. So try that really be good to yourselves. Parenting is not easy. It's tough out there. And we'll see you next time. Hi, I'm Barrett Caleri from Connected Parenting. I hope you enjoyed our podcast. And don't forget to check us out on the web at connectedparenting.com and like us and follow us on Facebook.